You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! I know Kung Fu. Show me. I want you to do me a favor. Yeah, sure. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. What? I want you to hit me as hard as you can. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Welcome to the John Weldon Show. Welcome to episode three, entitled Climbing Out of the Hole. This time period will cover, uh, in this episode, April 2020 until June 2021. Picking up from our last episode, I had been kicked out of church, I had blogs written about me, and my board sent out a dismal update letter. It was March 2020, and I was at rock bottom. Karen kept talking to me about all the chaos going on around me, and I was in la-la land. I was basically like, so what? Danny put out his book, all these people can do what they want, but they can't stop me from moving forward with my life. Little did I know, she was just testing to see if I had an ounce of personal responsibility or empathy for how I had hurt people. And no, I did not. She began to meet weekly with a psychiatrist over Zoom and moved herself into the guest bedroom. She told me over and over again how she didn't feel safe with me, but I was utterly clueless. I hadn't physically endangered her, so I couldn't understand why she was saying that she felt unsafe. Around the end of April, she told me, either you move out of the house or I'm moving out. I packed up my car the next morning and moved back to my parents' house across town. I remember sitting on the swing set at the school up the street from my parents' house and calling Eric Gregson for advice. He recommended that I go to Saraset which is a brainwave technology that helps with PTSD and other brain issues. He thought it might help me since I was so profoundly stuck. I acted on his advice immediately, and the next week I was in South Carolina with electrodes hooked up to my scalp. The machine would listen to the frequencies in my brain and then play those frequencies back through earbuds as a very disjointed piano sound. Then, as the brain listens to itself in real time, it would make corrections and rewire the neural pathways. After a week of this, I was back in New York at my parents' house and began to have a lot of repressed memories come flooding back. Before Saraset, I had essentially blocked out the majority of my childhood. I had sat in so many therapy sessions over the years and not been able to access my past. But now, I was having dreams and past moments were flashing back to me. I began to call my younger sister almost daily to confirm these memories. And over and over, she would say, yes, that's exactly what happened. And I can't believe you didn't remember that. Also, she would usually add details that made each story far worse. Without belaboring the point, most of the stories were about physical abuse including whippings with leather belts and one-by-three wooden boards. And no, we're not simply talking about being another whiny millennial complaining about being spanked as a kid. To put it in context, when my sister was 14 years old, she had my mom arrested and charged with child abuse, 
and I had managed to block out most of those years in my own memory bank. One shameful memory in particular was how I came home one day and my mom had been paddling my younger sister, who was 14 at the time, on the living room floor for so long that my mom said that she was tired and demanded I take over. I spanked my sister one time with the paddle and felt sick to my stomach and said, no, I can't do this. And I walked right back out of the house. I confirmed this story with my younger sister and apologized to her now 20 years later. After forgiving me, she said that that was the day she called the cops and they came and arrested our mom. Apparently, she had been wailing on my sister for a long time, two hours according to her, and she had been left badly bruised and bleeding. I never was beaten to the degree my sister was, but this was the kind of chaos that I had blocked out. The next day, as I followed up with my mom about her screaming at my sister-in-law the night before, she denied it ever happened. I remember standing in the kitchen with my mouth hanging open, thinking to myself, this is freaking insane. This is what I grew up with. She is delusional. As she began to yell at me and be defensive, I simply said, you are lying. And I walked out. To this day, that is the last time I spoke with my mother. Within a few weeks of having gone to Saraset, Karen was seeing a change in me. She found I was less triggered and I began to take responsibility for things rather than being defensive. After the confrontation with my mom, I moved out of my parents' house into a friend's house that was twice as far away. So now I was driving an hour one way to see the kids and help around the house each day. Also at this time, I joined the Bulletproof Husband, a men's program that popped up in my Facebook algorithm. Or, to be more accurate, I signed up for the free info from about a half dozen men's programs that popped up in my newsfeed, but the one I joined seemed the best. I really didn't know what I was signing up for, but they seemed confident that they could help me. I jumped in full force. I was active in their private Facebook group. I found three or four men to speak with each day over the phone. I attended the group coaching calls for three hours every Monday and Thursday evening, and I listened to the training modules over and over again. This group had the answers I'd been looking for my entire life. The feelings of insecurity, inferiority, defensiveness, and emasculation began to melt away as I pressed into the work. I remember one day in our backyard, I asked Karen if I could share something with her. She said, yeah, go ahead. I said, I've realized that you've never been controlling. I've been projecting that on you from my own childhood pain and have pushed you away and blamed you for all these years. As tears came to her eyes, she simply said, thank you. That was one of the first moments I could see hope returning for her. You see, up to this point, her psychiatrist had been telling her that in his 40 years of counseling, he'd never seen men like me change. But my men's group was saying they see assholes like me change all the time. Over the course of that summer, I gave 110% effort to the program, and it bore a lot of fruit. Karen and Danny began to see a responsible, trustworthy Jonathan that took full ownership of his life and actions. By August, even Karen's psychiatrist was saying that my change was like a miracle, 
and he encouraged her to move forward with inviting me home. There is so much that could be said about the drama from that summer, and I will share more of those stories in a future book, but that summer involved having in my possession an iPad with access to accounts from my parents and siblings where I could see the lies that they were spreading about me to former students, as well as my brother's ongoing filthy escapades. That summer, my mom conspired with my siblings about which made-up stories they should call into Child Protective Services to harass Karen and I and endanger our children. We were visited multiple times on fake charges. They also put in concerted effort to discredit me as a witness in my sister-in-law's divorce case. The lies and deceptions that they used to manipulate the third-party investigator were so convincing that even the judge had to call her out for blatant mistakes that she made in her final report. Reading through the iPad info felt like reading about the demons gloating in C.S. Lewis's screw tape letters, except it was gloating among themselves about how they were burning through my inheritance and had taken me out of the will as well as countless other things that were deeply hurtful. It cost me a lot to step into mental health, but I would gladly pay that price again to be free of my own narcissism, my mom's likely borderline personality disorder, my father's codependency, and to be free of my siblings' bipolar and sociopathic behaviors. From March until September of 2020 felt like hell, but I was getting healthier and stronger every step of the way. In September 2020, I was invited by the Bulletproof Husband to be in the first group of coaches in training. With Karen's agreement, I took them up on the offer for a 12-month process of advanced training that included 15 hours per week. That 12-month training was absolutely profound for my continued growth. One of the responsibilities was our weekly meeting with the master coaches that were training us. I will always remember those two-hour Thursday morning calls with great fondness. They were incredibly unpleasant. Almost every week, it would seem that a coach in training would get triggered and major arguments and fights would break out. Then the master coaches would use that as an opportunity for our training and growth. It was part fight club, part boot camp. Everything I'd been learning about being a solid man and husband was driven far deeper by this tribe of men pushing each other to live in healthy masculinity. There's a lot more that I could share about what I learned in that process, but I will save that for the future. Skipping ahead to January 2021, Danny Silk called the restoration team together to hear a positive report from the psychologist that was meeting with Karen over the course of the last year. At the end of that board meeting, Danny asked them to leave the rest of the restoration process in his hands, and he dissolved the board. Danny then met with Karen and I in February and offered to write a glowing endorsement letter from him, as well as signatures from several other major leaders and board members. To Danny's shock, I declined. Strongly. Firmly. In fact, over the next six months, each time we met, we discussed the letter and I turned him down again and again. You see, from my perspective, a major behavior I had overcome was that of using people and manipulating people, and it felt like I would be taking a major step backward for me to use Danny's reputation to convince people that I was now healthy, 
Also, it would be secondary trust. People would only be trusting me because they trust Danny. And I wanted to rebuild trust directly with the general public. Although it was hard for Danny's father's heart, he finally relented. He knew that I was choosing a much harder and longer road and wanted to do whatever he could to help me. In the end, I just asked him to write a public letter stating that I had honored my commitment to the process and was now free from all obligations to the process. That letter was released to the public on June 10th, 2021. One of the requirements that had been asked of me was that I not communicate with my former staff and students until I was released of this process. This means that over the previous three years, I had not apologized directly to my staff or students. So that was my first order of business. I issued specific detailed apologies where I took ownership for my behaviors and the lies I believed that led me to behave that way. Then I basically went quiet again. I posted a little bit here and there on social media, but I mostly focused on my continued work in the Bulletproof Husband Coach Training until I became the first certified coach in the program. I also stayed on for an additional six months of training, which meant a total of 18 months from September 2020 until March 2022. Before I conclude this episode, I want to make note of a couple points. This episode covered the time period from March 2020 until January 2021, which was essentially a mystery to those outside of the Bulletproof Husband. Without being a member of a local church and with zero communication from my board, there's very few that can speak with knowledge or accuracy regarding the changes that took place during this period. Only Danny and the Bulletproof Husband actually walked this journey with us and got to know the authentic me that was under all the garbage that I was tossing off. Also, I want to say that throughout the entire two and a half year restoration process, Danny Silk generously met with Karen and I typically every two weeks. He acted as a constant source of hope and encouragement. He is the real deal, and he always operated from the heart of a father. That's it for episode three. I hope you enjoyed hearing the continuation of my journey, and I hope that you'll share this with someone that is in need of hope for their marriage or was hurt by church leaders like Oh